Well, good morning, St. Paul's. Good morning, everyone who is joining us for this uh, Palm Sunday liturgy. Uh, the bells are tolling here. It is 10 o'clock. Um, as we get ready for the service, just a reminder, you can access the bulletin by going to our website, stpaulsrva.org. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, make sure to go to our St. Paul's Church Away page to see a full list of all the events that are happening uh, during this Holy Week season here at St. Paul's. We have a, a great lineup of services and events that are help us to deepen our relationship with God, uh, make this journey as meaningful as possible, and also to maintain our connections to each other. Of course, we would typically be gathered maybe with our downtown neighbors, uh, maybe over in our courtyard to do the blessing of the palms uh, as a part of this wonderful service uh, that begins with such a triumphal entry but then transitions into the passion narrative. But it's good that be, we can be here today with you to come together in spirit uh, to celebrate the beginning of this journey. As promised, I went out into my own yard and found a branch. So I hope that you did the same. Whatever you were able to find uh, to bring into this liturgical experience, I invite you to go ahead and find it. And let's get ready to begin our liturgy. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Let us pray. Assist us mercifully with your help, O Lord God of our salvation, that we may enter with joy upon the contemplation of those mighty acts whereby you have given us life and immortality through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. When Jesus and his disciples had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately... You will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The Lord be with you. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right to praise you, Almighty God, for the acts of love by which you have redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. On this day, he entered the holy city of Jerusalem in triumph and was proclaimed as King of Kings by those who spread their garments and branches of palm along his way. Let these branches be for us signs of his victory and grant that we who bear them in his name may ever hail him as our king and follow him in the way that leads to eternal life, who lives and reigns in glory with you and the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let us go forth in peace. In the name of Christ, amen.
Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, in your tender love for the human race, you sent your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon him our nature and to suffer death upon the cross, giving us the example of his great humility. Mercifully grant that we may walk in the way of his suffering and also share in his resurrection through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. And we'll read in unison. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with sorrow, and also my throat and my belly. For my life is wasted with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails me because of affliction, and my bones are consumed. I have become a reproach to all my enemies, and even to my neighbors, a dismay to those of my acquaintance. When they see me in the street, they avoid me. I am forgotten like a dead man, out of mind. I am as useless as a broken pot, for I have heard the whispering of the crowd. Fear is all around. They put their heads together against me. They plot to take my life. But as for me, I have trusted in you, O Lord. I have said, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant, and in your loving kindness, save me. Do you remember your first parade? I do. It was in Tarboro, North Carolina, Main Street. At that time, Main Street was lined with shops and with stores. Shoe stores, jewelry stores, dress shops, men's shops. The Tarboro Christmas Parade took place a few weeks before Christmas. And it usually began, as most parades do, with a marching band. You could hear the drummers drumming from miles away as they practiced for the long walk ahead. Then down the street would come a series of floats fashioned out of cardboard boxes and toilet paper. Down the road might ride a pretty girl sitting on the back of a convertible. Men with plastic blow-up reindeer and Santa Clauses would sell their wares, and so would the men who sold cotton candy. Cotton candy, get your cotton candy. Most certainly, a camouflaged truck from the armory was necessary for a proper parade, as well as several pieces of 
heavy farm machinery. Another float, another convertible, a clown or two in the Shriners in their fantastic hats. Then, of course, at the end of the parade, the moment we'd all been waiting for. As I grew up, I came to know more parades. When our basketball teams would win championships, the athletes and their parents would line up outside of towns, and they'd parade in, honking their horns, celebrating a victory. Later, I came to know the Rose Bowl Parade. It was in California, and all of the floats were made of flower petals and seeds. And then the Macy's Day Parade, with their bumbling balloons bouncing, bouncing, bouncing down Main Street of New York City. Do you remember your first parade? A parade is a procession, a procession of people. And technically what we experience today in Palm Sunday in the Gospel of Matthew is a parade. It's a procession of people lining up to escort Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. No floats or bands. Instead, they put their cloaks and their branches from trees on the road before him. Sounds like a parade to me. But why does this parade exist? And where does it lead? Jesus and the disciples are moving toward Jerusalem. Now, by ancient standards, Jerusalem was not a large city, but it was a significant city. About 25,000 was the population. But most importantly, and most critically, Jerusalem is the home of the temple. And according to one scholar, there is something to remember about the temple. It was enormous. It was the size of 12 soccer fields put end to end. It had many different courts. And it was the site of three major pilgrim festivals. The temple was a symbol and a center of Jewish tradition. The scholar writes that we might think of it as comparable for the Jewish people of that time to how Americans think of the Statue of Liberty. The temple was a national bank, and it was the only place in the Jewish world where sacrifices could be offered. Jesus is entering into Jerusalem at a time when the Jewish world would have been celebrating the Passover. And what is the Passover? It's a celebration of freedom. It's a celebration of being freed from bondage. And so the city of Jerusalem would have been fortified with authorities to maintain order. And it is into this highly charged area that this parade enters. And what are the people chanting? Hosanna to the son of David. You see in Matthew's gospel, Matthew is very interested in connecting Jesus to the line of David. And so here, in essence, this is taking on an extreme as the people held Jesus as the Messiah. And politically, this is dangerous. Because to hail Jesus as king 
is to challenge Roman authority. So this parade is probably a small one in the midst of thousands of people, but it still is a powerful statement. And the beginning of a great culmination, Jesus is arriving to live into his role, his destiny. He is living into the identity that is set before him to set all people free and to be a living, breathing temple and to make once and for all and for all of us an ultimate sacrifice. And it begins with a parade. How will it end? We shall soon see. There is a trial. There are questions. There is a crucifixion. But first, there is an anointing. There is an abandonment of friends. All the joy and loyalty will fly out the door as Jesus is held accountable for his claims to be the Son of God. But the truth will come out. And I'm not just talking about the truth of this death. What I'm talking about is the resurrection. And I know that I may be breaking Episcopal and liturgical protocol right now by mentioning Easter, but I've got to. I feel like in these really scary times, it's important to always and every day recall the resurrection. That in this death which we will experience, God has conquered death. Jesus has made a final sacrifice, and love wins. Love wins as we move through this time. But I have to say that the occasion of this pandemic has even put my faith under the microscope. What do I believe? Where do I put my hope? In what do I trust? And what can this all mean? In what do I trust? Well, I trust and I know, I believe that love wins. And love wins because of what we experience today and what we will experience this week as we move with Jesus toward Good Friday. I believe that love wins as we experience the goodness and boundless compassion of physicians and health care providers and healers of all types and varieties. I believe that love wins as I experience those who work in grocery stores, doing what they can to be open so that you and I can responsibly shop and take only what we need in this time. And for love to win also means that, yes, we, you, and me have to make some changes. A friend and preacher says that for love to win, it means that we need to make sure that our most vulnerable have access to health care. And for love to win means that we have to admit and to take seriously that we, yes, you and I, are swaying the natural order of this planet. If love is to win, it means that we take seriously how we stand in relationship to each other 
to our neighbor. Love winning is not a competition. Love winning is standing shoulder to shoulder, holding hands even now when we are called to stand six feet apart. Today, Jesus shows us that for love to win, love cannot be passive. It is not a let's-see-what-happens enterprise. Each Sunday, we come together in this space and in our churches, and we say the creed, the creed. And I know that some people have issues with the creed, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Because when we say the creed, what we are really saying is that I believe, I give my heart to something. And then we go on to say those words that were written some 1,500 years ago. But if I could shorten the creed, and if I had my translation, it would be, I believe that love wins. Period. I believe love wins because I believe that Jesus is the Messiah the one who came to bring us ever closer to God and to each other. And in every fiber of his being, in every one of his teachings, and in every one of his instructions is love. And today that love is let loose on all of creation. And it was so powerful, that love. That love was so powerful that it caused an earthquake. The ground beneath humanity shook because love could not be contained. It may seem today that the earth is shaking beneath us, but this pandemic is not going to stop love, and it's not going to stop a pursuit of justice. The love that was born in the death of Jesus of Nazareth comes into our lives not with bands, floats, and homecoming queens, or bumbling balloons, Jesus comes into our lives in love. He comes into our lives now as he did then, as a vulnerable child, as an advocate for the poor, as a teacher, as a healer. He comes into our world as one ready to give up his life for the sake of justice and love. And it all begins with a parade.
It was two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The religious leaders who collaborated with the Roman occupation were conspiring against Jesus. They had gathered in the place in the palace of Caiaphas, the high priest. This man had received the high priesthood at the hands of Valerius Gratus, the former Roman governor, and now retained the office under Pontius Pilate. They all were planning to arrest and destroy Jesus quietly, so as to avoid popular revolts among the Jews. At this time, Jesus was lodging at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. While he was there, a woman approached and anointed him with an alabaster jar of pure nard. When his disciples saw the act, they were outraged. Why this waste? Master, this costly ointment could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor, hungry and homeless. The poor are always with you. Indeed, I tell you that whatever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what this woman has done will be told in her memory. Then one of the twelve, named Judas, son of Simon, the Iscariot, went to the priests and asked, You are afraid of the crowds, aren't you? What if I could deliver Jesus to you at night? When they heard the offer, they were glad and promised Judas thirty pieces of silver. From that hour, he sought an opportunity to turn Jesus over, hoping that would incite a revolution against Rome. At the beginning of the feast, when the Passover lamb was sacrificed, the disciples of Jesus approached him and asked, Where do you wish us to prepare the Paschal meal? Go into the city, and you will see there a man carrying a water jar. He will show you a suitable place. The two did as Jesus commanded. They entered the city where they found the man with the water jar, who brought them to a large upper room. When evening had come, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, I tell you truly that one of you is going to betray me. The disciples were stunned with grief. Surely not I. Nor I. You don't understand. That's not it. The betrayer is one of you dipping his hand in the dish with me. The Son of Man is fulfilling scripture, but woe to that one through whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Then Judas slipped out into the night to put his plot into motion. As they were eating, Jesus took bread. After reciting the blessing, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Take, eat, this is my body. Then taking the cup with the traditional blessing, he gave it to his disciples. This is my blood of the covenant which is shed for many. I tell you in truth that I shall not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it fresh in the kingdom of God. Then having sung a hymn, they left the city for the Mount of Olives. As they walked, Jesus said to his disciples, You will desert me this very night, 
So it is written in the prophet Zechariah, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Though all desert, I will remain by you. I tell you truly that this very night, before the cock crows twice, you shall deny me three times. Even though I must die with you, I will never deny you. And so declared all the disciples. Halted at an olive grove called Gethsemane. Then going apart with Peter, James, and John, he left them on watch and continued a little further alone. There he fell on his face in anguished prayer. Soon he returned to the three on watch and found them sleeping. Could you not watch with me for just one hour? Watch and pray that you are not put to the test, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus went apart in troubled prayer, and again he returned to find the disciples sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. Third time Jesus withdrew to pray, and a third time he found the disciples sleeping. Sleep on and finish your rest. Now is the time for the Son of Man to be delivered into the hands of sinners. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus had not finished speaking before Judas arrived with a group of Roman soldiers and other armed men from the temple. Now Judas had arranged with the authorities for a sign and had said, The man whom I kiss is Forward with this arrangement, this went directly to Jesus. Greetings, Master. Then he gave him a kiss. Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? I am not here to betray you, but to help you. Immediately, the soldiers laid hands on Jesus and held him fast. Then one of the disciples with Jesus drew a sword and cut off an ear from the slave of the high priest. Sheath your sword. All who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Do you not know that I can call upon God, who will respond at once with more than twelve legions of angels? Then turning to the mob, Jesus continued, Have you come for me as against a rebel bandit with swords and clubs? Why did you not seize me in the temple where I sat teaching by day? Were you so afraid of the Jewish people that you must come for me by stealth? Nevertheless, your actions are fulfilling the words of the prophets. Then all of his disciples forsook him and fled. Those who had seized Jesus brought him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Peter followed at a distance as far as the courtyard There he sat with the attendants and warmed himself by the fire. The high priest had gathered his whole council, and they began to arrange the case against Jesus, which they would present to Pontius Pilate, the governor. The charge was that Jesus claimed to be king of the Jews, and they brought in many false witnesses, but to no avail. Finally, two came forward. We heard this man say, I will tear down this temple with my hands and... And within three days, build another not made with hands. The testimony was evidence that Jesus claimed an authority over temple affairs which traditionally belonged only to the rulers of Israel. 
and in those days Israel was ruled by Rome. Yet even these witnesses were unable to agree on their testimony. Finally, Caiaphas stood up and examined Jesus directly. Have you no answer to these charges? Jesus remained silent and answered nothing. Then the high priest put the question of kingship in terms of the royal titles, anointed and son of God. Are you the anointed one, the son of the blessed? I am. And you shall see the Son of Man seated on the right hand of power, coming in the clouds of heaven. What need have we of witnesses? He has condemned himself. They all concurred that Jesus was indeed worthy of death. Then those holding Jesus began to spit on him, covered his face, and striking him as they taunted him. O anointed one, prophesy who it is who is striking you. Now Peter was warming himself in the courtyard when a small slave girl entered. She confronted Peter and said, You also were with this Jesus the Nazarene. I do not know what you are talking about. Peter went outside into the gateway. Meanwhile, the cock crowed. The slave girl followed him out and said to the bystanders, This man is one of them. Again, Peter denied knowing Jesus. And a little while, the bystanders said directly to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you speak with the Galilean accent. Then Peter began to swear with an oath, I do not know this person of whom you are speaking. But the cock interrupted him as it crowed for the second time. Immediately, Peter remembered how Jesus said to him before the cock crows twice, You will deny me three times. He went out and wept bitterly. When morning arrived, all of the chief priests, along with the other Roman collaborators, bound Jesus and delivered him over to Pontius Pilate. Jesus stood before the Roman governor as the accusers made their charge this man perverting our nation. He was forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor and proclaiming himself as anointed king. Are you the king of the Jews? You say so. Priests were accusing him of many things. Have you no answer to give? Look at how many accusations they are making. Jesus astonished Pilate by remaining silent. At that festival, the governor used to release a prisoner, and some were urging Pilate to do so at this time. Now there was a notable rebel in prison with those who had committed murder during the insurrection. His name was Jesus Barabbas. Therefore, the priests arranged a demonstration to demand Barabbas. Whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus the Anointed One? Barabbas! What shall I do then with Jesus, the Anointed One? Crucify him! Crucify him! Are you certain of his guilt? The crowd took up the chant. Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! Shall I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar. 
Then Pilate agreed to release Jesus Barabbas. But Jesus, the anointed king, he handed over to his soldiers for scourging and crucifixion. When Judas saw that Jesus had refused to help himself, that the people had deserted him, Judas realized his own sin of pride and repented his betrayal. He went to the priests. I have sinned in betraying God's anointed one. What is that to us? That is your affair. Judas threw down the 30 pieces of silver in the temple and fled. His anger and shame blinded him to the purpose of God in the crisis. And he hanged himself. Picking up the silver pieces, the priest said, It is unlawful to put this silver into the treasury, for it is blood money. Whereupon they used the money to buy the potter's field for the burial of strangers. Therefore, that field is known to this day as the field of blood. The soldiers led Jesus away within the governor's palace. There they assembled the whole battalion. They clothed Jesus in royal purple. They set a crown of thorns upon his head and shoved a reed between his fingers for a scepter. They began to mock him by kneeling before him. Hail, King of the Jews! They also spat upon him and smote him on the head with a stick. After mocking him, they took away the purple, returned his own clothes, and brought him out to crucify him. On the road, they met an African of Cyrene named Simon, coming in from the countryside. Him they compelled to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means skull. There they crucified him. It was nine in the morning. They offered him wine mingled with myrrh, but he refused it. Garments they divided among themselves, casting lots for them. Over his head they inscribed the charge against him, the king of the Jews. Also there were two insurrectionists crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by were shaking their heads in derision. So you would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Likewise, the priestly collaborators mocked him. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the anointed one, the king of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Even the two crucified with him reviled him. Now from midday there was darkness over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At that hour, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eli, 
Eli, lama sabachthani? Look, he is calling for Elijah. One of the bystanders put a sponge full of vinegar on a stick and laid it to his lips. Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus, having uttered a loud cry, breathed his last breath. Suddenly, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, and the rocks were split. Even the tombs of the dead were opened. Now when the centurion on watch and the others who were with him saw all that was taking place, they were filled with awe. Truly this man was God's royal son. And we remember and we pray now the words our Savior Christ taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, we see you riding on a donkey. 
Give us humility to acknowledge you as Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We offer our branches to pave your way. Help us use our resources to bring glory to you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We acknowledge you as Prince of Peace. Give to our leaders a spirit of service for the common good. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We resolve to follow you in the way of the cross. Strengthen us to bear each other's burdens in this time of anxiety and suffering. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Heal the wounds that disease and violence inflict on your people. We place our lives in your hands. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Open our eyes to those suffering in poverty and humiliation. Bind us together in a passion for justice. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In you, Lord, is our hope, and we shall never hope in vain. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We now lift up those in need of God's healing in body, mind, or spirit. We pray for Barbara, for Bruce, for Malcolm, for his parents, Helen and Scott, for Susan, Beecham, Jim, Jamie, and his mother, Mary. We pray for Liz, Brittany, Allie, Caitlin, Kevin, Joseph, Teresa, and Kevin. We pray for Father Erastro and the people of Wittakira. We pray for those who have died, for Sonny, for Peggy, for Luli. Brother Scott and Reagan. We pray especially for those who are hospitalized, who are unable to be with friends and family at this time. We pray especially for Wiley and Cody and especially for children who are scared, for their parents, for Alex. For whom or for what shall we now pray? We 
We pray for all physicians, healers, for all who are working to attend to the needs of the welfare of all people. We pray for strength and patience in our own lives. O God, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires. Incline our hearts to keep your law and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when the night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come, life everlasting. Amen. And now remember that life is short and we do not have time to gladden the hearts of those with whom we share this journey. So make haste to love and be quick to be kind. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and those you love this day and always. Amen.